You're listening to St. Pius 10th Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. It's good to be back. I've uh, been out the last couple of weekends, as many of you know, first for a retreat and uh, finished that up and, uh, and then came back and I had an out-of-town wedding last weekend. Uh, and so now I'm hopefully uh, back for a while. I missed you, uh, believe it or not. I'll just say I do miss coming back to quote work and uh, being here in the parish. It's, I'm so blessed to be the pastor. That was one thing about my retreat that God made very clear uh, is how lucky I was to be where I was. And so uh, while I was gone, you know, never seems to fail. Something happens in the world or in our parish. And on October the 7th, I think we saw uh, the face of evil, the face of evil. And when we think of what happened in the Middle East and uh, the Gaza Strip and in southern Israel, uh, there's no doubt that uh, there was the face of evil. And I actually visited Israel about six years ago and uh, was able to kind of observe a few things, and we'll get to that uh, in a minute. But really, I've been interested in the Middle East for some time. A lot of it had to do with my learning about our faith and where our faith begins, and that would be in that very area. And so a couple of years ago, well, I'll say a couple of years ago, 10 or 15, long before, uh, when I think about the face of evil, I th think about this picture that I saw, and I'll try to describe it to you, but it just doesn't do the same thing as looking at it. Uh, but like I said, 15 years ago, maybe, well, a while ago, and, and there was a, a man who had breached security at the border between Gaza and Israel, uh, and the man obviously had an intellectual disability. I had to look up the right word to replace the R word, by the way but an intellectual disability was obvious. He was, he, he was cognitively impaired. So he breached security, but he had been given an explosive vest and told to do that. And then around him were Israeli soldiers all with their guns pointed at him. And those soldiers, I don't even know if they could shave yet. They were that young. And when I saw that picture, these Israeli shoulders, there was a poor person who had no idea what they were doing with an explosive vest and wanted to make me cry. It still does. And in that case, I saw the face of evil. You know what the face of evil was? It was the people who put the vest on that man. And they weren't there. They weren't there. They were cowards. And in order to understand what's going on, and we're going to get to how it applies to us in a minute, we have to put it into some context because it's very similar to what's going on right now. Just think about if Franklin was the Gaza Strip from Lafayette, that's about what it is. And think about what happened, happening, I don't know, let's pick Generette, Sippermore Point, Patterson, Berwick, well, that's the other way, Coming up, have to come further up north, up, up to close to New Iberia. That's how far it was from Tel Aviv. And then think in the north, on the north side, where Hezbollah is, you know, that would be at about Natchitoches. That would be about Natchitoches coming to here, not very far at all. And then on each side, you have the West Bank, of course, which is problematic. And then you have uh, the, uh, the Mediterranean Sea. And so when we think of how close it is, the Jewish people are seeing 
basically an existential threat. They're a small country. If you extrapolate what 9-11 was to us in the sense of numbers, it would have meant that on 9-11, 40,000 people were killed, not four. That's what it would have meant. And you have to remember that in that face of evil, what was done, you know, there are a lot of innocence here and that's what makes it so evil is, you know, what are we to think? And I think in our first reading today, we hear uh, from the book of Exodus, uh, <laughs> something that I'm sure every Jewish person is aware of. It's the passage of not molesting or oppressing an alien because you were once aliens in Egypt. My gosh, to, you know, how many year, thousands of years ago was that? And they're talking about Egypt and, and Gaza. But God's wrath will flare up and you will be killed by the sword. I think there's been a lot of lecturing of Israel and I think it's rather patronizing and insulting that they don't know their own religious obligations. They know what they need to do. And the thought that God's wrath flaring up, we have to remember on our end, and this is how it gets to us, that God does not, in the Christian mindset, punish in the sense of an active role in going and causing suffering to somebody. What God does is he lets us do it to ourselves. So when we sin, we create suffering. Think about our anthropology going back to Adam and Eve. Sin entered the world and then suffering and death. And so when we think of much of the Old Testament where it's written in narrative and, and God is anthropomorphized, he's, he's made into a human being like a discusser of things. It's meant to say, when you do wrong, bad things are gonna happen to you, whether it's individually or societally, but we're doing it to ourselves. It's the way God designed us. So I guess in a way we could say that God endorses the punishment, but he's letting us have our freedom. He's letting us have our freedom. And so when we see these horrors of what happened on October the 7th, and we think of, my gosh, the car, not just the carnage, but the way it was done, right? The depravity, the barbarism, the abomination of what was done. You know, I do think the first place we have to look is ourselves to some extent. There are some states that allow types of abortion that are not much different than what those terrorists did to those babies. We've got to be real careful before we start throwing a sword or a spear overseas, huh? We have to think about that ourselves. What we see as an atrocity happens in our own country at times. We've got to be careful about that, but we also have to think about it that evil causes suffering for all. And when we think of the story, and this is where we're gonna get into uh, a very difficult, a difficult place in our mindset, is, is that we're gonna see so many Palestinians who are in fact innocent, but they're living on top of what the terrorists have built underneath places where that attack on October 7th took place. By the way, we had a similar, we had a similar difficulty with us on 9-11, right? It, make no doubt about it, it is a just war in both cases. For us, it was the Taliban and Al-Qaeda, right? Here, it's Hamas and the governing authority, which is Hamas as well, it's just their political arm. But it is an evil that has to be addressed and cannot be allowed to harm again. There's a duty to protect. 
the citizens of your country. That's what our people are elected to do, our politicians. When we think of the history, there's been a security. People are trying to, these people want to kill all the Jews. They're genocidal. There is no negotiation. There's just not. Wish there was, but there's not. And I know that we can't wrap our heads around that mindset of thinking any more than we can wrap our minds around what they did to children and to the elderly. But it is the fact. That's what they profess in writing. And you know, the Jewish people are going to be pretty sensitive to people who are genocidal towards them. And I can understand that because it wasn't that long ago that there was almost a genocide in World War II, right? And so we think of what's been going on, the security that's there seems to be oppressive, so we see scenes of that as well. But there has to be security. And that security, because of previous behavior, can appear to us as Americans to be somewhat oppressive. It's tough. It's tough. You know, when we think of our way out of it, you know, for us, I think, first, we think of our own house, remembering that our sin creates suffering. And then when we're faced with evil, or the face of evil, that we are called to respond to it the same way it was done at 9-11. That war, by the way, was considered a just war by the church, as is this one, as you're noting how quiet they are. But the theory of just war leaves the discretion of what we have to do to the prudence of those in charge of the common good. That would be the Israeli government. 22 years ago, it was the United States government. But we ourselves need to make sure that we're doing what we need to do to alleviate the suffering of the world by living good lives. That's what St. Paul's talking about in our second reading today. And in the end, when we talk about the hard, hard parts of the decisions that have to be made by the Israeli government, and they are very much aware, and I am impressed at how much they try to alleviate the suffering because those people who are sitting on top of those military bases and living there, those schools, churches, all the other things that we're going to see horrible pictures of, okay, those people are that man with an intellectual disability. They're props. They're not cared about by those folks underground anymore. Actually, we care about them more than those, the governing authorities do. But they're being used to manipulate us. And as we think of the Israeli decisions that have to be made. And, and I, Lord, I have to tell you, I would not want to be either that young soldier who is looking at the person with intellectual disabilities with, a, with an explosive vest on that can blow up a cafe or blow me up. And I wouldn't want to be the government of Israel right now trying to make moral decisions about what they're doing. I just think it's important for us to understand that they are doing what they can. And we'll certainly, I guess, let them know if they don't. Everybody seems to be able to tell Israel what it needs to do. But in the end, in the end, their duty is to protect the innocence that we saw destroyed on October the 7th and to make sure that never happens again. And so we pray for them. And we also pray for all involved. You know, the great command, we know that the only way, and this is both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, love of neighbor, only God can change hearts. Only God can put in people the understanding of human dignity. And so when we think, say prayer, it does mean a lot. You know, it does mean the only channel that we have 
that can cause conversion, whether it be in us, because we're all converting, or whether it be in people with the hardest and darkest of hearts, the folks who did those things on October the 7th. And we can pray for the judgment and the prudence of the Israeli government, uh, that they make the best of decisions, that they do the most work that they possibly can to make sure that they do what they need to do in the most humane way possible. We pray for them, but we would pray the same for anybody who is undertaking such a war. Uh, and we pray again for our society and world that we are able to learn to love as Christ loved, to truly see the human dignity of everybody and the understanding that as we live our lives, it doesn't happen in a vacuum, that what we do impacts those around us societally. I could get into the, the, the horrible scenes, I think, of Americans, uh, uh, they say protesting, but celebrating what happened October the 7th. I can't see any celebration of any type on any of the circumstances that are going on. It's just sadness. It's sadness, it's the face of evil. Evil is hiding. We have to go get it. They have to go get it. And we pray for them and their mission. But we pray that it is as painless as possible, knowing that there's just no good solution, no good answer. And sometimes we're stuck with that. Do the best you can under the most difficult of conditions. So let's make that our prayer as we move forward, but also make sure that we amend our lives. Learn to love God, love our neighbor. We are united with the Jewish people in those propositions and make sure that our upright lives hopefully can impact the world and cause the conversion of hearts that God wants all of us to have.